Um, that's not controversial, is it? Particularly London is a city that loves money and material uh, things. I doubt anyone's going to disagree with me on that. We see the materialism of London in so many different ways, right? Don't we? Like we see the materialism even in the demographic shift. Well, you recognize that, don't you? Like we've seen in recent years so many people move to London from different parts of the world, from different parts of the country. Why do they do that? Why have people come to London? There's a lot of various reasons, aren't there? But some people we know come to London to strike gold. That's why some people come to London to London to get rich quick. But don't we also see materialism in the advertising all around us in London? You only need to go into the underground station and the escalator and have a look. You only need to ride a bus. You only need to walk down the street. What do you see? You see posters and signs, billboards everywhere, enticing you to buy something you absolutely do not need. Okay, we see it in the advertising. But do we not also see materialism in the way that our population tries to dull its pain? You see what I mean, right? Like there's so many people, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people in London, and they are weighed down by sin and struggling with the effects of sin and the monotony of life. And where do they look for relief? They look online or they go to Oxford Street and they try to cure themselves and they pin their hopes to retail therapy. This is a city, this is a city that loves money, loves money and material things. Now, okay, fine. Let me try and build on that. Let me try and throw out a slightly more controversial thing to say. Nobody disagrees that, everyone agrees that London is materialistic. But isn't it true that no one admits to that themselves? Like think about your friend or the colleague that you're going to see tomorrow. If you were to speak to them about this stuff this morning, what's your friend or your colleague or your family member going to say? I reckon this. I reckon they would agree with you thus far. They would agree, yeah, London is terrible. London is materialistic. But your friend, your colleague is going to entirely deny that of themselves. Yes, this population. Oh, they're too fixed on money. These people, they're too fixed on material things. They're fixated. But them? No way. They're not materialistic. They have their priorities sorted out. Friends, do you see what I'm saying? Materialism is both rampant, but it is also... Well, this morning, what we do is we begin a new section of the Sermon of the Mount, where the Lord Jesus Christ moves from critiquing the hypocrisy of Pharisees And he moves into critiquing the materialism of our world. And as Jesus does this, I think two intentions come to the fore. This is the first. I think in this section, the Lord Jesus Christ wants to prompt you to self-inquiry. Do you understand me? That in this section, the Lord Jesus Christ is prompting you to ask, not of your colleague or your friend or the other people in London, but to ask of yourself, in what way is materialism stuck in your heart? It's the first thing to prompt self-inquiry. But then there is a second intention here, which is much more significant. In this portion of his word, the Lord God calls for allegiance. That is this portion of scripture. In this section, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you, his people, and calling for greater allegiance, greater devotion to what? To 
created things to material things. Not a chance. In this section of scripture, he calls for devotion to the creator God himself. So I will ask you to do this. Will you please turn with me and ensure you have Matthew 6, verse 19 onwards, in front of you, on your lap, in your hands, on your tablet, on your phone, but have it there in front of you. And there are numbers everywhere here. This is confusing for me. Uh, Numbers everywhere. See if you can follow this. Our first point, our first heading is called Two Treasures. And in this heading, I've got three brief places to go. You see what I mean by there being numbers everywhere? See if you follow, do you follow it? Our first heading is called Two Treasures. But there are three places under this heading that want us to go. It's confusing. And you're looking at me thinking, what is that strange Scotsman talking about? Well, you'll find out if we go to the first place, and that is the madness of materialism. And I would ask you to look with me at verse 19 and just the first section. And maybe the boys and girls can stop their worksheets and look at verse 19 with us too. So verse 19, do you see the first part of it, friends? Let's read it slowly. Please drink it in. Do you see that the Lord Christ gives you a very clear prohibition? Do not lay up or store up. You used to store up, perhaps, depending on your Bible translation. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Now, I hope, friend, you get the idea there. It is, of course, not that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying that material things are inherently wrong is it like jesus is not saying to you that you cannot own a house you cannot own a car what is he saying to us he is saying that as the people of god you and i must not be preoccupied by these things surely that's the call is it not that you and i are not to be obsessed with not to be fixated with money and the things that it buys. Not to be preoccupied by these matters. Now, straight away, if you were with me, you could fall off your seat and it, it might floor you. Because think about London City Presbyterian Church for a moment compared to all the other churches you've ever been to in all of your life. Think about us. Where are we meeting this morning? You just need to think about it for a moment. Look at us. You and I together, where are we? We are in the financial district of London. Aren't we? we are in the epicenter of our country's greed and materialism. And this morning, God comes to us in his word and he says to you what? He says, you must not be overly concerned with these matters. So we could fall off our seat, couldn't we? But I'm asking you, do not go into shock just now, please. Instead, look at the reasoning that your Lord gives you here as the verse goes on. Now, do you see what he says? He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Why? 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 Because look at it. Moth and rust will destroy these things and thieves break in and steal. Do, do you not agree with me? That's like a divinely given of clarity. Don't you think so? Because hang on a second. What do you see when you look around the population of London? What's going on right now as you consider the millions of people that live in the city? Isn't it true that people are working every hour of the day? 
Isn't it true? Like London's renowned for how the hustle and bustle. People are killing themselves. They're working to 11 o'clock at night, aren't they? Working at 12 o'clock at night. Now, now, why are people in our city doing that? How would you answer that question? Why are people doing it? Some of you say just to survive. Isn't that a harsh reality? Like some people are doing that just to put some food on the table for the children. But what do we also know? We know hundreds of thousands of people in this city are not doing it for that reason. And they are killing themselves. They are busting their guts and they're working 11, 12 at night. Why? Just to get the latest stuff. Isn't that right? So many people in London just trying to get their hands on more things. You know what it's like? Killing themselves just to get the latest watch. (laughs) You know? Busting a gut just to get a slightly bigger house. Isn't that right? Killing themselves, working to 11 or 12 at night. Why? Because they just want to watch the bank balance grow or get a bigger car. Or killing themselves just to get the latest gadget. And do you not feel the weight of what Jesus is saying here? Do you not see also the moment of clarity? Because what will happen ultimately to those things, isn't it so sad? That watch is going to break, isn't it? And the housing market is probably going to collapse, right? If you believe the news, Brexit is going to empty the bank account. What's going to happen to the car? The car is going to depreciate in value. Do you see it? The gadget. What about the gadget? I mean, people, they are slaving away. They will blink and the the gadget will go out of date. I mean, do do you not feel it? I mean, do you not sense the sadness, the madness of it? Even if this morning we rise no higher than the level of common sense, what do you see? Materialism. The way this city functions, it does not add up. So we see the madness of materialism. Okay, second place I want us to go here is the argument for the alternative. Because I think this might happen. That some in here today are working in finance, working in law, working in whatever it might be. And everyone in their lives is consumed with material things. And that Christian just now might say, how then do we live if we're not to live like the people we work with and our families, and our, how then are we to live, right? Well, do you see the answer? Look at verse 20. Look what our Lord says to you. Please look at it with me, verse 20. Christ says to you, Christian friend, he says, instead of all of that, lay up for yourselves, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I stand before you this morning and I pray, you know, I pray that you know what that means, to stay, to lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Do you see what it means? That the call to you is not to be fixated on the stock market or housing market, but to live pursuing that which pleases your God. Now, you are to prioritize personal holiness and not personal capital. Like, your priority is to be the Christian witness and it is not to be material gain and I, I, I wonder do you grasp that and again I say do you, do you feel it like you are to use the resources that you have the riches you have not just to pursue all of these selfish 
things and these material things. You're to use the resources, the riches you have. Why? To advance the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Store up for his treasures in heaven. Now, what do you say back to me? Perhaps you say in your heart just now, but that does not seem like much fun. I mean, that seems oppressive. That seems really negative. That seems to me as though the Lord Jesus Christ just wants what I have. Well, if you are thinking like that, you simply do not understand the logic of verse 20. Because look at how our Lord continues. Look what he says to you, Christian friend. What's his purpose here? Look. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where, he says to you, for neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Don't you see it? Don't you? The Lord Jesus Christ wants what is best for you and for me as people. The Lord Jesus Christ wants you actually to make sound and good investments in your life. Like he doesn't want you to prioritize the sort of riches that are going to spoil, fade, die and decay. He wants you to prioritize the sort of riches that are going to bring your life blessing, blessing. And forever and ever and ever and ever more. He wants what is good for you. But if we see the madness of materialism and the argument for an alternative... The third place that I want us to go into this heading is the personal practice. The personal practice. And I wonder this. I do as the minister of this church. I've wondered this ever since I flicked over last week to see what I'd be preaching on today. And I wondered this. Will the Holy Spirit work today to convict us of our sin? I've wondered that. And scratched my head and prayed about it every day this week. I also wonder if you are ready for that to happen. Are you prepared perhaps for the fact that even now, the Holy Spirit of God might draw near to you, nudge you, and say that this today is for you. Imagine it. The Holy Spirit showing you, perhaps surprisingly to yourself, that there are real roots of materialism in your own heart. Well, if that happens, you're going to want to respond. So you cry out, don't you? What do I do? This is true of me. What do I do? Look at verse 21. Look with me, verse 21. Jesus says simply this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now we've got to wrestle with the logic here. He says to you, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder if we see what that means. Have you heard of the Reverend Kevin DeYoung? Some of you have heard of Kevin DeYoung, I'm sure. Kevin DeYoung is quite a prominent PCA minister. In the United States, I'm going to guess at the Carolinas. I think that's where he is. Reverend Kevin DeYoung. So he writes on this portion of scripture. I just want to read to you what he says about that. Now remember the phrase. What's the phrase? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Kevin DeYoung says this. Follow it. He says this. Effectively here, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying that your heart will follow 
your wallet, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will follow your wallet. He goes on, listen. He says that what we spend our money on will ultimately determine what we care about the most. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we spend our money on will determine what we care about most. Now, I ask you, do you agree with that? What we spend our money on will determine what we care about most. I think if we analyze that just for a moment, I think we we must agree that that is correct. Now, I want you just to take me as an example here this morning, right? Let's Let's use me as an example. Let's say this morning that I am convicted of my sin and the materialism that is in my heart, the wicked materialistic heart that I have, that I'm convicted of it, and then I take a step. Let's say that from this point today, I resolve that I'm going to spend more of my money supporting overseas mission work. Right? You get the idea? Let's let's make it exact. Let's say I'm convicted of my sin and I am from this point on going to spend more money on that reformed evangelical church in Almunecher in Spain that I've just prayed for, for Manuel. I'm going to spend more money on that. Now, I'm saying to you, asking you, what do you think will be the knock-on effect of that in my own life? Can I tell you what it is? If I am sacrificially giving to that mission, I will be so much more concerned for what's going on there. Don't you agree? You see it? If I am spending more of my money sacrificially giving to support that work in Almanacher, you can bet your life tomorrow morning I will be praying for that work in Almanacher, won't I? I'll be trying to learn. If I'm spending my money on it, I will be learning everything I can about that gospel work in the south coast of Spain. Do you see it? Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. How I spend my money will determine what I ultimately care about. And, and do you think it is just me? What do you know? It is the same for every believer in this room just now. Isn't it? Isn't it? Friends, do we long to be godly in these matters? Do we, do you want to be ripped away from that materialism in your heart? I cannot think of a better place for us to start as a congregation than with our wallets and let's store up treasure not on earth but let's seek to obey this and store up treasure in heaven so we see two treasures secondly we see here two visions if you're getting notes make sure you get it we see two treasures secondly we see two visions i wonder if you can see why the headings are the way they are I think if you followed the reading, you can see it very clearly, can you not? If you look at verse 22, you see that our Lord has, although he is dealing with the same matter on the same topic, he has changed the metaphor, hasn't he? He's changed it from treasure now to eyes, eyes. And what the Lord Christ does at this point is he brings two types of vision or two types of sight before your eyes, if you'll allow that. So what I want to do is very briefly just mention those two different types of eyes. You'll see the first. Let's do, let's work in reverse order, shall we? Look at verse 23. Let's look at verse 23, the impaired vision. Do you see it? What does he say? 
Read it very carefully, please. It seems straightforward and it's anything but. The Lord says to you, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now we know, don't we, that the eye is a common Jewish idiom for speaking of the heart or for desire. So Christ saying, if your desire is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. But what exactly does the Lord Jesus mean? Well, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't, I don't want to embarrass people in the congregation. So I'm not going to mention any names. But I do know that some LCPC in recent months have been taking driving lessons. And some LCPC have been learning to drive. That's been a thing in our congregation uh, recently. So what I want to do is just share uh, advice that I got many years ago when I was trying to learn to drive. So <coughs> I cannot remember who it was that said this to me. But they said, if you are overtaking a lorry or a truck and you pull out in the outside lane of a motorway, the advice that I got was that it's very important not to stare at the truck that you're overtaking. That instead, what you've got to do is you've got to stare dead ahead. You've got to look at the road ahead and not look at the truck. Now, for the drivers in here, we know why that is, do we? The drivers nod their heads, yes. If we stare at the truck that we're overtaking, what we tend to do subconsciously is just drift a little bit, steer a little bit gradually over towards that truck. Like when we're driving, what tends to happen is that we follow what we're fixated on. We follow what we're looking at and what we stare at. And you maybe wonder, why is he speaking about driving advice this morning? But is that not what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us here, remember this phrase. What does he say? If your eye is bad, your whole body will be plunged into darkness. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Should what we be fixed on, should our desire be wrong, what happens? The whole body will be steered into trouble. Is everyone following me? Let me say it again. If our desires, what we are fixed on, if what we are staring on with our heart is wrong, our whole person is going to be steered into trouble. Now, again, I, I put it to you. If you analyze that just for a second, you know it to be true. Let's take the example, difficult example, but let's take the example of sexual immorality for a moment. What do we know? We know if somebody spends all of their time looking at pornography, Somebody spends all of their time thinking sexually impure thoughts. What's going to happen? They are slowly but surely, but inevitably they're going to go off the rails. They're going to go astray. Aren't they going to go awry? We know this to be true. We know this principle is true. But I'm saying to you, what is staggering to you? Isn't it the fact that Jesus uses this illustration not of pornography? And he doesn't use it of sexual immorality. What is he using it of? He's saying it of materialistic desire. And isn't that stunning? Because what is true of us? We think materialism by and large is fine. Don't we? 
Like we think it is absolutely pure, it's fine, it's benign to spend all of our lives staring at home improvement shows, just wishing it was us that was on the TV. We think that's totally fine and innocent, don't we? And we think it's just fine to spend all day long on the Auto Trader website or the Right Move website and we're just oh, wishing for that new car. We're wishing for the new... We think that's fine. There's nothing sinful in that. It's no problem at all we're doing that. We think it's fine to spend all of our time online window shopping, just dreaming and dream, dreaming about that holiday that we'll never be able to afford. We're just looking at it. We think it's fine, benign. And what does the Lord Christ say to you? Hmm? If your eye is bad, your whole body will be plunged into darkness. We think these longings are innocent. We think they're fine. And yet they can cause us great spiritual damage. But do you remember what I said? Two types of vision. Look at the other one in verse 22. Because it will move you. (laughs) It will bring you to praise and thankfulness. Look at verse 22. Because the Lord Jesus Christ makes you, if you're a Christian in this room, he makes you a beautiful promise here in verse 22. Now, it's all about this word healthy. Do you see it? He says to us, if your eye is healthy, then he says, you know, your your body will be full of light. Now, we have to wrestle with what does he mean by the idea of health? How can I be healthy in this respect with materialism? Something like this. That in the first century world, there was a Hebrew expression that the rabbis used to use. I quite like the expression because they would talk about selfishness and they would say, if you're selfish, you have an evil eye. It's quite a nice expression, isn't it? About somebody who's selfish. If they're selfish, they have an evil eye. So some people here think that Jesus Christ is inverting that, playing with that, reversing it. Not speaking about an evil eye, but a healthy eye. Not selfishness, but as though he is saying, if you are generous, generous, then your body will be filled with light. Now, I do not, now that might be right, but I do not think that's correct. And it leads me to say something I don't think I've ever said from the pulpit before. Ready? I think it is only, as far as I can make out, it is only the King James Version of the Bible. That old version of the Bible, as far as I can make out, it's only the King James Version that absolutely knocks it out of the park here. Maybe some of you know it, do you? The King James here? Because the King James Version does not speak about a healthy eye. Not healthy. Can I read it to you? It renders the Greek word differently and it says this, if your eye be single then your body be full of light. If your eye be single. Do you see? Do you see what the Lord Christ is saying? Friends, it's only if we as Christians are single-minded in our pursuit of God that we will enjoy the illumination that is promised here. Not if we are sidetracked by material things. Not if we are distracted by the desires of the world. But if we are single-minded, following our God, single-minded, fixated, on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's then that we get this, this light that fills our body. And don't you agree with me that that provides you with such incentive this week not to be staring at the stock market, but to stare at scripture, not to stare at your bank balance, your bank account, but to stare at the Bible. 
Why? What's the promise your God gives you here? If you look to him with singularity of purpose, it's then, Christian friend, you will radiate the light of the gospel into this dark, awful city. So we see two treasures, but we see two visions, and then we close with two masters. Two masters. This past week, in a break from the norm, I tried to be nice to my children. What I did was provide them with... I can speak about my children today because two of them are at home in bed ill and I can get away with it as long as you don't tell them next week. But what I did for them coming home from school this week is I provided them with some treats. Okay? There were some sweets on one hand and there was a few cakes on the other. Um, here's the thing though, I did that parent, that really boring parent thing where I was you know, concerned as parents are about ruining their appetite for eating their tea. So they weren't allowed everything. The children had to choose. You get it? So they come home from school. They can choose either some of the sweets or they can choose one of the cakes. Okay. Now, if you know my children in any way, shape or form, you know how this panned out. So two of my children are totally fine with this. Two of my children, they go up to the shelf where they look at it. They speak amongst themselves. They think about it and they make a choice. I think one goes for the sweetie, the other one goes for a cake, and it's everything's fine. And then they go away, they toddle off, and they're just really thankful and happy, and they go away. If you know my children, you know what happened. Third child is left there with her dad, and what does the third child do? Can you imagine what happens here? There is a frown, (laughs) a really deep frown. And then she looks at me, and she begins to moan, Dad, why do I have to choose? <laughs> Dad, this does not seem fair to me at all. You know, Dad, there's sweets and there's a cake. Don't tell Colin and Ellie Rose. I don't have to. Why do I have to choose? So you see it, don't you? That, what, is it that expression, that terrible expression that doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? She wanted her cake and she wanted to to eat it too. She wanted her cake. She wanted to eat it too. Now, why would I tell you such an inane story from my week? Does it not, in a way, sum up the reality of Christianity in London in the 21st century? When you think about these matters this morning and you search your soul, isn't it true of believers today that we want our cake and we want to eat it too? Don't we? I mean, yes, maybe we want to honor God. I mean, maybe it's not as intense a desire as it used to be when we were younger, is it? But what's the other truth? We want the material things desperately too. Isn't that right, friends? Yes, we want to honor God. Yes, we want to serve God. Yes, we want to glorify God. Do we? Yes. But we want the stuff that our friends have got. And we want that stuff that our colleagues are affording and get. We want the stuff that our neighbors have. We, we want our cake and we want to eat it too. And isn't it fascinating? And isn't it utterly arresting to read how Jesus closes this portion of scripture? Look at verse 24 and what he says to you. Look at verse 24. He says, such double 
one-sided priorities are utterly impossible for you. Look at the words he says. You cannot serve too much. You can't. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say it. Look, it's going to be really difficult for you to serve two masters. He's going to say, he doesn't say it's caused you problems. He says to you at the end of that, do you see it? He says, you cannot do this. As a Christian, you cannot serve both God and money. That such is the allegiance that is demanded in the kingdom of heaven that even a partial compromise, Christian friends, even a partial compromise with materialism, our Lord here reveals that that for us, is a step too far. And so I'll close here, and I'm going to put out a choice. And it's a choice for two groups of people in the room. The first is for those who are Christians in here. I go back to what I said a moment ago. Has the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin, Christian friend? Has he shown you that perhaps this is true, that there is materialism in your heart? You can then see the choice as a Christian, as clear as day. You can either continue to compromise with God, or this morning you can repent of your sin and return to the Lord. You can, you can continue to fixate on the stuff and the gadgets and the cars and the stock markets and the houses and the clothes and the boots and the holidays. You can continue to fixate on that stuff. Or you this morning, right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can draw a line in the sand, repent, come back to God. So I say to you, if you're a Christian, which is it going to be for you? But then to the other group of people, to the people in this room who are, as you sit in here, condemned to face the wrath of God outside of Christ Jesus. I'm saying this to you. Isn't it, when we get to portions of Scripture where we deal with money and riches, isn't it then that the wonder of the gospel comes into clarity and beauty? Because, hang on a second, do you know the gospel? Do you? Do you remember what we say from here? Do you remember what the Bible tells you that Jesus has done for you? Do you remember? He has left the treasure of heaven. Isn't that startling? He has been in the trappings of his heavenly paradise, his heavenly hope. He's been in the treasures of heaven and he's left it voluntarily to do what? To take to himself utter, unimaginable poverty and pain. And why has the Son of God in glory done such a thing? All to identify with people like us to bear his people's sin and to save us eternally. And if you follow that, you surely see the upshot of that. Though it's not about decisions, you have, my unbelieving friend, a choice to make today. You can continue in your utter dead rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you can just freely accept what God holds out to you today, free of charge. Do you know what that is? By the gospel, through the preaching of his word, the Lord Jesus Christ holds out in front of you just now. Eternal life there is better. It is forgiveness for your sin. It's there. 
It is peace with God. It is, listen, reconciliation with God. Free, free before you. So I ask you, the same as I asked the Christian, what's it going to be? I mean, surely, surely it is that you today bow to the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing this. There is nothing in this city, nothing in this world that in any way compares to the treasure of forgiven sin. There is nothing that London can offer you that in any way compares to the riches of redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, bow with me and pray. Lord God, as we have seen every time that you speak to us in your word about material possession, we are, as Christians, we are convicted of our sin and we see our weakness. But every time we speak of these things, we are ever more grateful for what Christ has done. We do thank you that by humbling yourself, Lord Jesus, the point of death and death on a cross, there are riches available for all those who trust in you. Lord, we ask that you would awaken some to everlasting life, even in this hour on this day. We pray in Jesus' name and for his name's sake. Amen.